microphone and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! Yo, microphone check, one, two, what is this? The five foot assassin with the roughneck business. I float like gravity, never had a cavity. Got more rhymes than the one that's got family. No need to sweat, I send you to gain some type of fame. No shame in my game, cause I always be the same. Styles upon styles upon styles is what I have. You wanna just decipher, but you still don't know the half. I sweat no balance sneakers to avoid an arrow. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Armchair Network. This is Scott. It's Jason. Looks like this is going to be our first official podcast, I think. Oh, really? We're going to send it out, start promoting it on Facebook, and hopefully get a website on Facebook soon. You didn't tell me any of that was going to happen. Oh, we're just going to like keep doing the podcast for ourselves. I'm nervous. Got to launch at some point. <laughs> Do we? Do you think that many more people will listen? I hope so. Okay. Well, that won't be our first topic, because I think that's about as far as that's going to go. Today, um, we are going to start off talking some football playoffs. Uh, We're going to go over our Super Bowl bets. Um, We're going to lean that into um, how Jason ruined my Wednesday night by making me watch two bad movies, and... uh, (laughs) And 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 end on that. So starting off, but two bad movies that lead into great conversation. Well, you guys can be the judge of that. I guess we'll find that out when our our listener count goes from three to thirteen, <laughs> or three to zero. Um, all right. So start off. We're gonna do the the playoffs. Would uh, what were your thoughts? Uh, well, let's start with the NFC Championship game. Oh, you got okay. You're ready to go. Yeah. So we got Green Bay. Playing Atlanta, they got their ass kicked. Yeah. Um, Green Bay could not stop Atlanta. I mean, it was just crazy. Like, they could not get out of third downs that they kept converting all these third downs. I think Atlanta was just too fast for them. Yeah. I mean, they just, the, the you know, Green Bay had a bunch of second, third string D-backs in there, and they were totally outmatched. I mean, Julio Jones is so freaking good. <laughs> That's kind of hard. You'll make anybody look bad, but, I mean, that was just like, that was like playground football. But also, you knew, with Green Bay missing that field goal and uh, the fumble on the goal line, basically, and them not getting any points in that first quarter, they were in trouble. Yeah. What do you think of the Aaron Rodgers family drama? Do you think that had anything to do with anything? Do, do you have any thoughts know, on that? I don't know anything about it. You don't know about the Aaron Rodgers family drama? I do not know anything about oh, family Oh, my God. Drama. All right. Breaking news to Jason on the <laughs> podcast. Uh, Aaron Rodgers' brother was on The Bachelor. Right. Or Bachelorette, yeah, whichever. Yeah. Uh, and they set a place, you know, when he was on, they set a place for him and Olivia Munn, who obviously didn't show up. Because why is he going to show up to his brother's stupid ABC reality show? Right. And kind of made them look bad. So he's been playing off of this all year. Like, people have been asking questions. He's been kind of getting out of it. Um, a lot of ex-teammates have come out over the last year or two to say that Aaron Rodgers is kind of a dick, that he's like a loner and all that kind of stuff. So, right before, or this week after the Cowboys game, that may or may not have happened, I don't really want to remember it, but uh, his dad wrote something that got published, I think it was in the New York Times, about how Aaron Rodgers has completely ditched his family and doesn't care about them anymore. Well, this is the first I've heard of this. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, man. I got... Okay. Because my problem with that is 
you know, it's a very one-sided thing. I've heard other people discuss it and say, like, well, who's to say that his family's not a bunch of dicks? Like, they may have just been asking for stuff. And yeah. he's like, look. I don't want to keep giving you money. You keep yeah. asking me for things. Exactly. I've already given you a house, car. I mean, what else do you want? And what do you want from me, blood? <laughs> but, but this is being portrayed in the media as he's not a good guy. And Olivia Munn is the reason, you know, she's like the Yoko of the Roger family. So you're saying that affected his play? I don't think it did at all. I just thought I'd I'd get your opinion. I didn't realize I was going to have to explain it on the podcast. I kind of well, that's good. I don't know if everyone knows about this. Okay, well, maybe I'm the maybe you're the the only one. Maybe you're the majority. Uh, So anyway, um, I think Iron Rogers just pretty much dismantled both our teams and ran out of ran out of that. Yeah, they cleared cleared out the NFC East and then went home. So um, not much, you know. Yeah, it wasn't much of a game. But Matt Ryan, does he look like your MVP of the season from that game? Well, as you know, we we both have money on Aaron Rodgers to win the MVP, <laughs> which we made it twelve to one before the season started. So we never hedged our bet with Matt Ryan. But yes, I think he's the he's going to wind up. Yeah, it's a pretty obvious thing at this point. So would you say that the two best quarterbacks are in the in the league are in the Super Bowl right now? Um, that's a good question. Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay. I don't think Matt Ryan's one of the two best quarterbacks in the league. I think he's got the best weapon in the league. I think his he's offense got, is, yeah, is he's great. He's got like two awesome running backs that can catch the ball in the backfield. Yeah. But I don't want to, I mean, people keep making excuses around him. He's had, he had a great year, but the guy's been a notorious choke his whole career. Uh, I've lost lots of money on Matt Ryan in the past. So I think we know where you're leaning towards for the Super Bowl. We'll, oh, okay. We'll get well, to that later. Um, but, but no, I don't think they're the two best quarterbacks. <laughs> I still think the quarterback, best quarterback of the NFL is sitting on the bench in Dallas. <laughs> I don't really think that, but I want to think that. I won't be sitting on the bench in Dallas for long. Um, do you think the two best quarterbacks are playing? Uh, I would have to say the two hottest quarterbacks are playing in the Super Bowl right now. Okay. Even after seeing what Rodgers did the second half against your Giants? I have to say that the two hottest quarterbacks are playing in the Super Bowl. Okay. All right. So what are your thoughts on the AFC Championship? Um, Steelers, I mean, I've heard all this drama. Like, all the Steelers, like, basically, like, blaming everybody else and calling out everybody. And it's just like, Pittsburgh's defense was horrible. Yeah. They could not stop that Hogan guy. Like, you got to cover that guy. Yeah. That guy. Cover him. He's blowing you up in the first half. Make some adjustments. But losing Le'Veon Bell was tough. Sure. Yeah. That was a tough one. I mean, it, that changes your whole offense. But the worst play of all time is when they got the uh, touchdown called back where the tight end caught the ball on like the half-yard line. Um, and then they couldn't get in at the end of the half. Right. I'm just like... Quarterback sneak. We've talked about this. Yeah. The quarterback sneak should work 98% of the time. I agree, yeah. And you have the biggest quarterback in the NFL. He can't get half a yard and get into the end zone? That's... You knew they were going to lose, right, when they didn't... When that swing changed. Sure. Because they scored, and then they called it back, and then they settled for a field goal, and you were just like, yeah, this game's done. Do you think Mike Tomlin's a good coach? 
Yeah, I think Mike Tomlin's a good coach. Okay. They kind of underachieved under him. That's yeah. why I ask. I mean, they. I want to see what they could do. I mean, I guess Landry Jones had some success, but I would like to see, because Ben's already talking about possible retirement now. Uh, I don't. I'm gonna go. I don't like when people call him Ben. It's that I know I've heard that other places, but that's an original thought as well. I fucking hate it <laughs> because it it does make him sound like, uh, like everyone's buddies with him. It's just because no one wants to say his whole freaking name. Yeah. But like we don't say that about anybody else. It is always gotten under my skin that people call him Ben because he's not necessarily a really good guy, right? You know, he's got a lot of baggage to him. Well, I and think I just like that's what everyone calls him. So. I get it. I just wanted to point it out. I didn't want to say Roethlisberger every I, time I talked about him. Right. I understand. I have a microphone in front of me, <laughs> so I can finally tell the world how much I fucking hate when people call him. And ben. you're not alone in that. Uh, it's true. In that thing, but uh, so, and then New England showed up and like they always do and handled their business. That's right. They were just dink, just throwing it all over the field and. Steelers can do anything. Yeah. Um, so now we have Atlanta and New England in the Super Bowl. Yeah. So and, uh, well, I mean, I think I was pretty spot on when I said that the line was going to be three. I you think did? I think it's pretty good place for it to be. I thought it was going to be around the five range, but... Uh, uh, Atlanta looks really good. So, I mean, I, uh, we're making picks. Sure. You can I mean, I pretty much take New England every year when they're... I mean, as, as long as they're not playing the Giants, you take them. In the Super Bowl? Okay, see, <laughs> pretty much every year I take New England. Like, I, I just, I I feel like you give Belichick two weeks, a guy always, you know, there, there's not a better, not a better planning head coach in the NFL, better mind, so I have a lot of trouble betting against him. Well, what if, so right now, at this moment, I'm leaning towards... The Falcons winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, I I don't but, think I don't think that that's a big surprise. I think we. But uh, I'm sure when it comes down to the day and we do our bets and everything, it's harder to bet against Tom Brady and Bill Belichick sure. in, in like the best biggest game of the year. I'm pretty sure we probably won't bet on either the Patriots or the Falcons. No, we'll just bet a bunch. We're of gonna bet. We're we're not gonna play the numbers in the middle. We're just gonna play the outside of the board. That's <laughs> like, I, that's what we like to do. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a good game. It's two of the, it's going to be high scoring for sure, um, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens late in the game uh, with Matty Ice to see if he can live up to it, how he's done all season. And because pretty much all season he hasn't done his Matt Ryan thing where he just blows the game or just like doesn't show up in like the end of the game. That hasn't been the case this year, and that's why the Falcons have been a, are in the Super Bowl. So it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, at the end of the game to see if they can do it. It's gonna be—I think it's gonna be close throughout the game. Okay. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, the way the playoffs have gone, it's kind of hard to think that anything's gonna be close. But um, there's hoping we have a good game. You want to go over some bets, some stuff that we... Uh... Sure. Uh, we were looking at some prop bets, and there's there's a bunch of things that I like. Um, I wasn't able to go through every single one of them, because I'm sure there's other ones coming out. Well, that's good, because I was ready. To, I was available to go through every single one of them. 
Well, there's gonna be other ones that I didn't see that, like. Don't take it personal, pal. I just I just went through them all. Like how long the national anthem's gonna be and all that fun stuff. Did, did you not go through that? I didn't see that. One. Okay, well I can tell you right now okay. because that's a bet I like a lot. Who's singing it? Luke Bryan. Okay. Country singer. Country singer. His over under is 127.5 seconds. Did you uh, look at any times that he sung the national anthem? I have not watched him sing the national anthem, but I did look at the two most the most the two most bet on or in recent memory. Well, who uh, did it last National year? Anthem. They, last year was Lady Gaga. Right, and she went over. She went at 2 minutes and 20 seconds. <laughs> okay? Christina Aguilera, the first year we bet on this, and we knew she was going to go for it, and we bet the over, and we nailed it. She was under 2 minutes, even with all of that. So the fact that they're guessing that he's going to go 7.5 seconds over 2 minutes... Yeah, he's going to be less than them, because he's not really like a singer. It kind of feels like the under is a slam dunk to me. I like it. I, I figured you'd like that. Okay. So that's our that's our first first bet. Um, how about MVP? I didn't look up the odds of this. Okay. Well, the obvious ones are Brady and Ryan. I think right. they're they're pretty low. I think. Oh, I did look this up. Is he plus one eighty or something? Yeah, it's pretty low. It's it's the only one I saw I that. Mean, I... You have to bet Brady if you're going to bet the MVP. Do you? Yeah, I think so. He See, has to be in the mix. I liked Julio Jones at ten to one. I like that. I just like but that. The thing is, is like. If Julio Jones catches two touchdowns, Matt Ryan is going to win the MVP. Not necessarily. Um, I stunned him, folks. I mean, I think if you bet Julio Jones, you have to bet Matt Ryan. Just to cover? Okay. All right. Um, But it's not even worth... Anyway, it's not worth it. Um, The first score would happen in the first five minutes, first five and a half minutes. What do you think of those? I like that. Okay. Over, or that it will happen. Okay. Um, first five and a half minutes. Yes is minus one thirty-five. It's now down to minus one fifteen, and first five minutes is even. So I think you'd bet first five minutes to right. get your money's worth. Um, what else? I'll tell you. I like Devonte Freeman to score the first touchdown in the game at oh. plus eight fifty. Whoa. Okay. They they don't have the games or the. Where it's like any person to score a touchdown in the Super Bowl. I didn't see that. What do you mean? On our props. What, what These are like players to score a touchdown. Okay. They didn't have that. They, right. They had like, you know, on the each team or a first touchdown or two. Well, touchdowns. I saw players and you could, if a player could, let me go and uh, if a player could, like you could bet on Julio Jones to score in the first half. I saw things like that. Did you not see those? I like yeah, I did see that. Okay. I do like Falcons to convert a fourth down conversion. Interesting. I didn't see that Plus 125. All right. And I like the Patriots on that bet, too. I don't know what it is. All right. I like, you always talk about this, but the l- shortest touchdown I, under 1.5. Yep, I saw that. Do you like that or don't? I do like it. Oh, okay. Because if you get a pass interference in the end zone, mm-hmm. you get it on the one-yard line, and you get in. Um. Some other things that, uh, okay, we're, I mean, do we have a, I don't think just we have. Just go on some notable ones. We don't need to go through. Right. Well, I didn't write down every single yeah. one, but I just, um, um, how about the jer- the overrunner of the jersey to score the first touchdown is 18 and a half. I saw that, minus 130. Okay. I have, for over? For over. I have minus 175. I have plus 140 for the under. And 
I think if you look down the line, most of the receivers, if you think it's going to be a passing touchdown, most of those receivers, especially on New England, have low numbers. Just kind of interested in it. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, what else? How about players to throw a pass over two and a half? Yeah, I'm doing a trick play. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't think that's going to happen. Or if somebody gets hurt, someone gets knocked out for a play. Right. There's always that option. Uh, will Matt Ryan miss a field goal? Matt Bryant. Matt Bryant. Yeah, I have that too. Yeah, where you have it at? Plus 300. Yeah, I think we're going to probably bet that. But we got to wait because the other bet that they had for all throughout the playoffs was field goal and an extra point. Okay. So we got to see what that number is. All right. um, Go ahead. The other two bets I like are cross sports bets. Oh, I did not go over any cross sports bets. So Russell's... Westbrooks. We always bet Russell Westbrook every season. Points, there. rebounds, and assists. Add them all up. Is plus five point five over the total points in the uh, Super Bowl. Oh, and plus how much? Pl- plus five point. Oh, sorry, plus five point five. So or, that means or under if Russell Westbrook right now is averaging thirty, <laughs> 10, 10, ten, and ten. So. It's so, fifty five and a half, so that means the over under is fifty. So you don't, you definitely take the over points. I know you want to bet Russell, Russell Westbrook because we love what Russell yeah. Westbrook here at the podcast, but <laughs> I don't know if that's a great bet. It's a fun one, but okay. And then my other cross sports is Knicks minus nine over Julio Jones receiving yards. So the last Knicks game that I was looking at. They scored 110 points, so Julio Jones would have to have under 101 receiving. Wait, yards. didn't the, didn't the Knicks just get killed? Didn't, weren't they? Their last game, they won. They scored 110 points. Okay, so I don't that know. means that Julio Jones would have to have 109 under 109. No, if they had 110 and he's getting minus nine, it's 101. He has to have over 101 yards. That's what I meant. Okay, oh, sorry. Well, his over under is 98 and a half. Just so you know. Uh, okay. I think Belichick's going to have something for him. We'll see. Yeah, I don't. I think he's going to have a low number receiving yards. Um, I you know I'm not going to go over. I'm trying to see if there's anything else that like we've got our usuals, our uh, our defensive touchdown. Will there be a two point conversion attempt? Um, missed extra point. The team to score last in the first half. It's definitely going to be a two point conversion. Okay, good because I like that too. Uh, it's plus one sixty five. Uh, another thing is team to score last the first half, team to score last in the end of the game. Those are good things to bet on, whether or not there'll be a safety. We always seem to bet that. Um, and let me see if there's anything else I really liked. Um, not necessarily with the game. You know, there's one bet I thought was interesting. Will any will anyone break the record for passing yards? That's plus 425. The passing record's 414 yards. You have two guys that throw a lot. They're both very capable of throwing over 400 yards. Just saying. Yeah, that's interesting. And if you really... Like th- if you think that Julio Jones... Like, I think he's going to yeah, be... Yeah, you think. <laughs> yeah. You don't think he's going to do that well. If you think he's... To, to break the receiving record, which is 215 yards, is plus 900. No, he's definitely not. Okay. Plus two. Uh, some other... Uh, I guess those are all the, the the football bets. The other things you can bet on that I, you know, the he, the coin toss is minus 102 each way. There's no favorite. It's always year. the worst betting the coin toss because 
there you open the game either pissed or like, right. most of the time you're pissed. Yeah. Uh, that you're already down money. Um, the Gatorade color, which you always want to bet. I always like. I always, always a clear. clear. Yeah. Why? Because it's water. But, okay. I don't know, but it's always wrong. I'm always wrong on it. But I, I'm like, <laughs> I think the the good bet is to go with water. Uh, another football bet that you can actually bet on is: Will a player leave with a concussion? Okay. Kind of feel like that's a dirty place yeah, to go with putting your money. I'm gonna bet on that one. No, no. I'm just saying that it's out there. I'm not saying I want to do it. I don't want my money around any kind of bad karma like that. Um, will Lady Gaga have a wardrobe malfunction? Um, and the last thing I liked with her was what will be her first song? And we can use this to go into our next uh, podcast, but do you have an idea of what Lady Gaga's first song will be at the halftime show? Uh, I, I have the odds right yeah, here. Yeah, what are the odds? Uh, applause is 10 to 1. Okay. Bad Romance is 11 to 10. It's not going to be Bad Romance. Born This Way is 7 to 1. Just Dance is 7 to 1. Paparazzi's 15 to 1. Poker Face is 12 to 1. And The Edge of Glory is 11 to 4. I would say The Edge and the, of And The Field is 9 to 4. Oh, The Field. I would say Edge of Glory would probably be. See, I know it's a little older, but you're in the Super Bowl. It's like a whole thing. I think that. Um, I don't think that matters at Zilder because I think she's going to play, obviously, a melody. Now, what I did is I went to setlist.fm and I looked up all of her set lists to see what she opens with. And the only song on that list that she's opened with within the last... You know, she's done a lot of with her new tour. was, you know, it was just smaller bars playing the new album. So it's mostly all new album. The only song on this list that has sniffed the opening in the last two like months, I guess... Was bad romance. Now you're saying there's no way she's not starting with bad romance. Okay, see that's the only one on here I would think. This is why I really like the field because I think she starts with a new song, which there's no new songs on here. Like this, none of these are off her new album. I think she opens with a song from her new album. I mean, this is seriously stuff that I sit around and think about. <laughs> I think she opens with a song from her new album. And then, like, Does starts anyone... working in the hits. And then ends with something like Edge of Glory because it's very... This would be, like, one of those things where if you're an insider, you could be like, Lady God, what are you starting with? Like, everyone on that crew that's rehearsing could go on to Sportsbook right now and go, I'm betting the field because yeah. I know what her set is. Well, I... I, I mean, how does it... We need to find someone on that freaking... I, I did know a girl who worked for... Remember, Sonia worked yeah. for Lady Gaga. Um... I could put a call in. She's All little, I know she's is a little busy, but that crew, like, they're they're going to make a lot of money in the Super Bowl. Well, I'm sure that uh, when you say that crew, well, I guess yeah, if you're rehearsing. All the, rehe- the yeah rehearsal crews. Well, the thing is, as soon as she does her first sound check, we're screwed. So we got to get this bed in. I still like the feel of a lot. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you. Um, but that's that's. You know, we, we can discuss that more. I think she closes with, like, Edge of Glory. I think that's kind of like a foot, you know, that's... I got, wonder if this is the topic of conversation on the uh, set of the rehearsals that you can bet on this. I don't know. It Somebody's got to be bringing it up. Yeah. Be like, dude, we only made fucking 200 bucks today, but you know what we're making for the Super Bowl? 
2000. Well, that's why I think something like Bad Romance is at 11 to 10 because maybe someone's floating it out there. Maybe Vegas is calling her up. Should we see when the late money comes in? Like all the other people? Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. So going from halftime music shows to uh, our second topic, which is um, a music music topic. We, 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 as homework, watched the Journey movie. Yeah, so I was just watching, going through Netflix. And you know it's really hard to find some stuff when you're... On Netflix. That will be a podcast topic at some point. That Netflix is so overrated because they don't offer enough to watch. Um, so, well, they offer a lot to watch, but it's all like crap. Yeah, they don't watch. Yeah, exactly. So we go, I was going, I wanted to watch a music documentary. So I saw this Journey documentary. And I, I'm not even like a Journey fan. And I don't even know why I started it. But basically, if you haven't seen it, it's called Don't Stop Believing. Really clever name. Um... And it's about the new journey with no lead singer. And what they do is the band members go on YouTube and they do this extensive search for a lead singer. And at the midnight hour, they find a guy that lives in the Philippines that's basically does uh, is in a cover band and sings their songs that has a great voice. And they basically like sign him up to be their lead singer. And I was just thinking that while I was watching him, like, this guy doesn't even speak English, and now he's the star, he's the lead singer of an American, like, classic rock band. Yeah, now he's playing world fairs all across. I'm just kidding. They obviously (laughs) got bigger than that, Sopranos. Yeah, and that's part of the, well, part of the documentary is, like, they're playing these big venues, and they're selling out. And I was just like, I wanted to talk about like kind of what gives a band its identity and if you lose certain members of your band does it like taint the basically the sound or your view of the band so or do you go in a different direction if you have a new group group of people but you keep the name is that still the same band I just want to have a it's kind of hard to see what what angle we're trying to go with uh with this segment, but it's all relevant to what, like, how much can you change a personnel in a band and keep the makeup, the identity, the of, identity your band. of the band? Well, here's my, my problem with you, though, is, sorry, not... I've got uh, a lot of problems. Well, you got a lot of problems. <laughs> I got a lot of problems with you people, but here's number one. You told me we were just doing lead singers. You didn't say the makeup's of bands. No, so. I- there's plenty of options out there. Said, what makes up an identity of a band? You said lead singers. Bands that change lead singers. All right, well, we're changing topics. <laughs> All right. So let, before we get into this, uh, what did you what did you think of the movie? I thought the movie was. At first, I was like, "Oh, this is kind of compelling," and then I just was like, "This is kind of sad." Why is it sad? In terms of like these guys hanging on to. I just think it's like reaching when you're pulling a guy who doesn't even speak English just to be like a karaoke version of your band. I don't know. I really, I had mixed emotions about the documentary. And then when I was doing research, um, I told you about this. There was like a whole section of what happened to him that wasn't even in the documentary. 
which would have made like the most interesting part. But what's that? It has nothing really to do with what we're talking about. But <laughs> basically, he like when he got the audition, and he had to like go leave Philippines and go there. He had all these issues getting a visa, and so he went down to the embassy and like he's like, I gotta go. I gotta be in te- you know USA like next week, and all this stuff and. They wouldn't expedite his thing because he said he was going to try out for the lead to be the lead singer of Journey, and no one believed him. He thought he was like bullshitting or something. So they made him sing in the middle of the embassy, like a Journey song, and he like performed it. And they were like, "All right, you can go." <laughs> but they chose not to put that in the documentary. Yeah, that's weird. I mean, they don't have video of it, but it would made a good story to talk about. Another thing they missed in the documentary was the sudden popularity of journey when you know it was on the sopranos right. i just think give it its credit like yes it is the most downloaded song and we talk about it in night century in, and um the reason for that is because it was the ending of the most popular television show maybe ever um so i thought that movie should have been 30 minutes long <laughs> it was like, 30 minutes, it was really cool to see this guy get this chance, and you're like, wow, oh, this is like... I mean, you kind of already know the story, but if you don't, it's like, wow, this guy's been totally out of his element, and he's got to learn how to do all this. And here's a little history of why Steve Perry left the band, and ironically, Steve Perry was a replacement himself in Journey. Um, they were instrumental at that point. Oh, is that what it is? They were instrumental before they got Steve Perry. Okay. And then they... Cause, and the record label... Basically, it was like... Oh, they were like a jam band. And they yeah, were like, they were Dude. like, well, you're not going to sell any records until yeah. you actually have a singer. And so they got... Um, I, uh, you know... I Anyway, I just thought 30 minutes, you could have gotten the whole thing. Because then the next hour after that was just showing him going to yet another venue. Yeah. And he's kind of sick and tired. And then another one. And then he's... The one thing I couldn't... I was shocked at was that he wasn't like a kid. He seems like a kid. Yeah. He's like 48. Or something when they <laughs> shot this, and that was 2012, I think. This documentary's from. Oh, I'm not sure of the date. Um, so, anyway, his name is Arnel Pineda, and um, the two lead singers it was Steve Perry, right? And then they got another Steve, Steve or Jer. Yeah, and then that guy blew out his voice. Yeah, he blew out his voice, and then they, the other band members, like, we got to keep this going. We gotta buy. We gotta buy some more. Uh, what do you call it? That kind of clothing, with all the skulls yeah. and uh, oh, affliction. Yeah, affliction. We need some more affliction clothing and hair dye. So, so to give you an understanding of the the voices, I'm gonna play you the two "Don't Stop Believing"s with one with Steve Perry and one with Arnell to get you. Uh, and you tell me it's pretty much a spot on impersonation, uh, but. Obviously, you're, he's not Steve Perry. Second version. 
So different singing styles, but he has the same cadence and I mean he's doing an impersonation. Sure. Where where did you get the recording of the second guy? Uh, I don't know. I just it's they, on they like they released that. They put it. You know that new album that they said they were working on. In yeah. The thing? Well, attached to that album, they re-recorded the classic Journey songs with him and added it to that album. Okay. That's all right. Do you have the whole list right there of songs? Um, all, no, that's right. You don't have to worry the about songs it. That he on the the re-recorded songs. I mean, I can. Nah, it. don't worry about it. I have personal. There, there's an underlooked song by Journey. I always like. I'll be all right without you, and they never play it anywhere. I'm not. Once again, I I'm not a big Journey fan. So. Well, they're going to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You know that. This year. I did not. Oh yeah, I remember that. They so does Steve Perry show up? Like we don't know enough about their bad blood. I guess from the documentary. Do you know right. anything about that? No, they. Well, Steve Perry just went. Yeah, he just decided to do his own thing. I think he was done with Journey. Right. I don't know exactly. He did O'Shea. I mean, it, I mean, it wasn't like what happened with Chicago where... Because Chicago got into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and Peter Cetera was like, I'm not showing up. That's this year as well, right? Or or was that last no, year? No, that was like... It was either last year or okay. before. So Cetera didn't show up. He was like... Well, he was like... Basically, when they change singers... Here's a good transition. I know. Um, so in the documentary, the Journey was playing at the Greek... And behind the scenes uh, or backstage of the concert, this guy came up to uh, Arnell and was like, hey, my name's Jason. I'm the one that took over for Peter Cetera in Chicago. And we're like, oh, great. This is, <laughs> this is like a whole group of people that just get together and like from that are the backup lead singers. <laughs> like, we need to make a documentary about that. Yeah. <laughs> so basically what happened was when they changed – over to Chicago, Chicago to this other guy, Jason Chef. They basically changed the tempos of the songs. So when they were going to go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and they wanted Peter Cetera to come back, um, he was like, I want to go back to the old tempos because that's how I think the songs should be played. And they were like, no, this is the way we do things. If you want to come, you can, you know, we can't really compromise. And he was like, all right, well, I'm not showing up. So Chicago showed up with everybody else but Peter Cetera, who's, you know, got the best voice of, like, right. all rock stars. And, yeah. yeah. And Peter Cetera went on to sing uh, the theme from The Karate Kid too. <laughs> That's true. That was a great, uh, great moment in that movie. I loved that movie when I saw it. Uh, okay, so who are some other... Th- this was supposed to lead us into... Other bands that lost their lead singers and the history. Well, here's of that. the flip side. Okay, so I'm talking. We're talking a little bit about how like people get rid of their lead singers and they either don't do as well, or they you know exceed expectations. But like Fleetwood Mac is another band I wanted to talk about. Okay, who um, there's a famous story about. Because they were another band that sounded like this. So, like, no one knows their sound. Because 
that's a band that they got before they actually brought who, in. Who was singing Dance. there? That was uh, um, Lin, was it Lindsey? No, Mick Fleetwood. Okay, who stayed in the band? He stayed in the band. They lost. They kept losing all their guitarists, and like the story goes, is that he was trying to figure out um, a place to record his new album, and the engineer at the place, which was Sound City, which they also did a documentary about, um, had just recorded um, Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks' album, and he's like, "Here, this is what our sound system sounds like," and he put it on the sound system and Lindsey Buckingham was like oh okay and he like goes back home and you know loses another guitarist and he calls up the guy and he's like hey uh you know that guitarist that was on your the album that you uh played me at the place he's like who who is that I want to like call that person up and the guy was like well that's Lindsey Buckingham but it's going to be tough. So Lindsey Buckingham called Lindsey Buckingham? Oh, sorry. So Mick Fleetwood. Mick, Mick Fleetwood went back. And asked, who's that guitarist? And he said, who's that guitarist? And he's like, that's Lindsey Buckingham, but you're not going to get Lindsey Buckingham unless you take his girlfriend, which is Stevie Nicks. And then they became who they are now, which is this. And these are all the hits. Right. These are the now when anyone says, "Hey, you know Fleetwood Mac," do you like ever think of them without Stevie Nicks singing? I mean, they have other songs, but she's like kind of like their sound. They changed their whole sound. Well, my favorite song, my favorite Fleetwood Mac song, is sung by Christy McVie. <laughs> okay. So. But I'm just. It, it's just. It's. Uh, it's you make love and fun. Changed, Just in case you want to know what the answer to that question is, it's you make love and fun. Okay. It's a great song. They changed their whole sound and became a popular band when he didn't have a, that popular of a band going into it. They okay. started stringing off hits and stuff. So nice. They stayed Fleetwood Mac, but they changed their entire sound and identity and became popular. It's a good little uh, history lesson. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> what? Uh, who are some other older bands that that did this? Um, we got Genesis. Okay. The Genesis story is interesting. Well, Genesis, I don't have, you might have a little more insight into this, but I know that Peter Gabriel, when he was on the band, like they basically had no hits and, uh, they had one hit, I believe, um, that was in their, in the Billboard top hits. Uh, and then once Peter Gabriel left and Phil Collins came in. They skyrocketed the band, and they were like, basically, it hits every song. Right. I mean, it took some time. He yeah. left, I think, in 75, and then uh, in 77 released Salisbury Hill, which was a song I was just telling you is about, supposedly about leaving Genesis, which is cool when you hear, like, a, oh, okay, or that song. Uh so this is Genesis without Peter Gabriel. We don't need to worry about what Saul's Real is about. It's okay. No, we'll talk over it. <laughs> this is our new format. <laughs> we play the song in the background and we talk That's about fine. It. No, no, no. I was just saying that um, it, 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 when you listen to the lyrics now, it, it totally changes it when you know that he left and that's like, you know, if they've come to take me home. Yeah. I've grabbed my things. They've come to take me home. That's, yeah. But please, 
No, I was just the... gonna play it under it just to see if it's it fine. I do. It just stunned me a little bit. I got a. I'm talking about a totally different I'm song. Changing than the so- I'm changing topics and subjects like in the middle. So listen, we're, why we're, not we're, just change the songs? We're still working through this. If you're gonna make this our first official podcast out there, we're gonna have to explain what's going on. Um, do you need to play the rest of the Genesis? No, song? I think everyone gets it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, were you a Genesis fan? Uh, yeah, I was a I was a Phil Collins Genesis fan. Yeah, I had, okay. I had the albums for sure. All right, I always thought he was such a dork when I was younger that I couldn't. But now I get a little nostalgic when I hear some a good. I actually saw Phil Collins live, not with Genesis. Uh, but, did he play drums or no? Um, I think he played drums on a couple songs. Okay, but most of the time he was singing. Um. You know, funny enough, before you even brought up the subject, I was, I was listening to something about the drummer. Oh, it was on this podcast where a different podcast where uh, the drummer for the Romantics, who's talking about the drummer of the Romantics, left. He used to sing how I like about it's what I like about you. And he didn't like where their sound was going, and then they the only song they have after that is talking in your sleep. Um, but uh, all right, so what are some any other? So the other two bands are. Two of my favorite bands. Well, wait, but we're talking about back. We're still, oh, back. We're, we're still before Beach like Boys. the '80s. Like, yeah, let's. Beach Boys is another story about. I mean, everyone kind of knows Brian Wilson's mental issues and you know all this other stuff, and they basically like changed members throughout their years, and they still played Beach Boys, and then they went on their fiftieth. Recently, just went on their fiftieth anniversary configuration of the band. And basically decided there was a guy, Mike Love, who was one of the founding members, owns the na- owns the rights to the name Beach Boys, and basically decided for the 50th anniversary that he was going to be the only member of the band that was going to be from the original member. And he got a bunch of people to sing on. Well, that's because Mike Love and Brian Wilson have a really tumultuous relationship. Well, yeah. Yeah. They just both put out um, biograph- autobiographies at the same time. And there's like a great story, I think, in Mike Loves, where Brian Wilson was in his wedding. Or he was one of those guys was in the other one's wedding. And that same day or right around, like, the day before, they just filed a lawsuit against each other. You know, just, there's some nasty stuff, some nasty history there. But how do you pay? Because concert tickets are really expensive now. Right. How do you pay money? And they, they may not sell out, but enough thousands of people go that it's just like, would you go to a concert with just one member of the Beach Boys just to hear this song? Or this song, sorry. Well, I'd, I'd pay to hear the first one before the second one. But I like both of them. I'm very into harmonizing. You get guys that harmonize this. Yeah, but are they the Beach Boys? That's the thing. Well, would you go see... There's one guy that was the beat, yeah, and there's no Brian Wilson. Would you go see Paul McCartney do Beatles songs? Yeah, but that band's like been dead, and there's only like I mean, but because they never died. like they never like replaced members though. They just kind of like ended the band, and he's going solo and he's singing Beatles songs. So you feel like they're trying to pull a fast one on you by saying that they're the Beach Boys, but they're really only one guy yeah. plus people when. If Paul McCartney goes down to Beatles songs, but you know, he's going out and singing solo, and he's singing. How many po- how many solo wrote. songs by Paul McCartney do you want to hear? No, but I'm saying he's doing he, solo. He's tour. not fronting it as a Beatles. Yeah, tour. he's not going. I'm still the I'm the Beatles, 
and singing just going like by himself as a as a Beatles band. He's okay. Going as himself, and then he's singing the songs that he like created history, music history with. Right. Okay. Um, all right. I'll, I'll give you that. I um, I don't know. I I don't think I. I mean, Mike Love sings most of the songs. Right. I, but one member is not the Beach Boys. I'm okay. Well, I don't want to see the Beach Boys unless John Stamos and the Fat Boys are there anyway. There you go. I missed. I actually did see them with the Fat Boys one one time. I never. I, I would have been interested to see. I want to know the whole story about this John Stamos thing. Sure. <laughs> that seemed more interesting to you than the Fat Boys yeah. when they did the song. Uh, I remember that yeah. song was great. Um, all right, I was seeing some other older bands. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, just Deep Purple. That was. I mean, I don't. Have, I don't know the stories. I'm just going to yeah. give some examples. Pink Floyd. Uh, originally, Sid Barrett was a terrible singer for them, and then they hired Dave Gilmore. Yeah, there you go. That's, uh, a, that's a good one. And Gilmore and Waters can't get along either. Um, those are some older ones. And then one that I was thinking of that I know you weren't going to bring up, which is a very big story, and, and our huge audience would be really disappointed if we didn't talk about ACDC. Oh, with guns. With well, no, no, no. First... First, it was with Bon Scott. Do right. you know Bon yeah. Scott? I'm not a I'm not an ACDC fan either. Right, me neither. But, but I know the story. It's a pretty popular yeah. story. You know, he he died of alcohol poisoning. And when you hear his like, when I hear an ACDC song, I usually think, oh, this uh, this they all kind of sound like the same person. But when you listen, oh wait, not that part. That's too bad. I didn't cue it up the way I wanted to. But when you hear it, if his vocals eventually come in. <laughs> it's all right. It's my first audio. Can you talk over it? It's my they first audio. Up. They just have such long introductions to their songs yeah. that I really just need to hear his voice so I can compare it to the other voice. Yeah. And it's just taken too long to get there. <laughs> Now, again, I'm with you. I'm not a huge ACDC fan, but when you hear that voice, I always thought, oh, that sounds just like um, Brian Johnson, but it really doesn't. Um, if you were to go into, let's see, let me just get this queued up. You can talk while I come up with this. Um, yeah, I was never, I mean, I know that Axl Rose is now, like, singing songs with that. Right. Which is... A whole another discussion. How does how does he sound? Yeah, so he should not be he should not be singing racing. Why? I don't know. Just it doesn't seem right to me. See, I didn't know this whole story, and so to me, I never really know the difference. When you hear him, this definitely sounds different. That's this is the ACDC that is the most recognizable. Like if you asked anyone, like. Who the ACDC was, they'd be saying this. Yeah. So, that you know, he same, came in. Same with Van Halen. Back in Black, that was his first big, you know. Yeah. So, all right. So, moving in out of the 70s into the 80s, obviously the big one you just mentioned. Yeah, Van Halen. So, we had, uh, this is one of my favorite bands of all time. We have uh, this guy, David Lee Roth, classic. Another uh, long intro. Have you seen her? So bad, 
But this is a thing where another uh, kind of Fleetwood Mac type thing where they change their sound. Like, when you hear, like, you know, Van Halen with Sammy Hagar, this is what, you know, this is the Sammy Hagar version, where it's a lot commercial and I just don't think as good. I know there's a lot of people that, you know, love the Van Halen with Sammy Hagar. Van Hagar? I love Van Hagar. I was I was in Van this, Hagar. This was my high school graduation song. Oh yeah, <laughs> you guys just pumped up to graduate. We were. <laughs> um, I don't know. I um, I yeah. I mean, this is the biggest one, so this should take up the most of our our discussion here. Like, this is the most popular one. I was um, trying to get to a vocal, but it went on for too long. Oh well, okay. <laughs> we all know it. Yeah, we know it. Um, I think that, uh, I think that he got, they got an unfair rap and he did completely change their sound, but part of that was changing anyway, with or without their new singer, because when you listen to 1984, the album 1984, he was, uh, Eddie Van Halen was already starting to move keyboards into their sound. Yeah. It was definitely changing with the time. The, the, the synthesizer kind of yeah. sound that was going away from that raw Van Halen 1, Van Halen 2. 19, you know the of of the of the guitar solo. So when when Van Hagar first started, <laughs> I was I don't know I loved fifty one fifty. That still might even be my I don't I know I don't want to put this out there because I know it's not I don't one hundred percent believe it when I say it, but I really enjoy. This is now going to be on SoundCloud forever. Yeah, but I really like fifty one fifty, and I really loved OU eight one two. I thought those were awesome albums. What I didn't think was an awesome album was the one they did with Gary Sharon afterwards. Right. From Extreme. Gary Sharon, yeah. It's that we tried to forget all that. Okay. Yeah. Um, who's we? The world. <laughs> <laughs> so the interesting thing is they get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and the only two to show up are Michael Anthony and Sammy Hagar. Yeah. Neither of which are in the band anymore because they know, kicked you, out. You knew Sammy Hagar was gonna show up. Guess the worst. Why is he the worst? Explain to me why he's the worst. I don't know. I just I'm not a huge fan of him. I just think he's uh It's a little spazzy. Yeah, he's a little spazzy, he's entitled. I don't know, he's just I don't know. But but wait. And he doesn't have the presence. I mean, come on, who's a better performer than Daily Rose? Diamond Dave. Yeah. But you went about entitled. Well uh, I don't know. You're taking I don't know, I feel like this is a you're taking over for this band, and you're like, now this is my band. I mean, I guess you have to do that, but it's just... I don't think he ever took... A, he was never allowed to say this is my band. The guy's been kicked out like three or four times because <laughs> there's two brothers in there who can't get along with anybody. You know, like, David Lee Roth, is a guy, he seems like a giant pain in the ass. Yeah. But you've got a guitarist and a drummer who are brothers. The band's named after them. And they can't get along with any singer that comes in. So at some point you got to stop being like, and I don't know that Alex Van Halen can't, but I mean it's obvious that Eddie Van Halen. Can. Alex Van Halen, to me, is best drummer of all time. I remember when they came out with um, the video for the first Sammy Hagar um, album, Fifty One Fifty, and they did the concert video. It was called Live Without a Net. It was a, a full movie, 
and they had they had Alex Van Halen do the drum solo where he's hitting the he's hitting the drum so fast it just sounds like it's going <laughs> like that was the point of it. Yeah. It was it was fucking awesome. Um, so yeah, and I like David Lee Roth solo stuff. I don't care. I think it's fun. Yeah, I like David Lee Roth solo stuff for sure. I don't think I've ever listened to it on purpose since it happened, but I did like it when no, it was I happening. Gone back to it. I don't have I don't have it in my iTunes. If it comes do on, you, I'm like, oh. Do you have a favorite album or song by Van Halen? Well, my favorite song was "Running with the Devil." Okay. I, to. Um, I don't. I, I've never. No, I don't have a favorite album. Okay. I don't, yeah. No. But. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, any other examples? The only one I guess we should talk about because we recently saw the reunion was uh, Guns N' Roses. Who? Okay. Which Axl Rose? What? They never changed the lead singer. Right, but they changed their, they got rid of like their whole band. Axl Rose went on and like said, all right, I'm making Guns N' Roses a buckethead, fuck it. And he went on and like, you can see now with the outpouring of their new tour that they're doing where they're selling out these huge stadiums that they want, everyone wants the main band back in the saddle. But that, okay. And they want to see it. So here's Buckethead. You tell me who's who do you rather hear? Cue this up. Alright, listen to this solo. Or would you rather hear this? One of the best guitarists of all time, in my opinion. Guy can uh, play the guitar. The guy can play guitar with emotion, like make a guitar sound more emotional than just yeah. about anybody. I agree. And when Prince when Prince died recently, I was saying I, I thought you could hear a lot of Prince and Slash's guitar playing. Uh, I don't like they both played with this. They both played it from this place that gave this emotion off that of what that most guitarists can't. Um, I'm most, still and most famously that. Uh, was a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame performance with the My Guitar Gently Weeps. Yeah. You got if you haven't listened to that, you have to go listen to that. That's just insane. But I'm still kind of mad that you're bringing up other instrument people. It's just him and no one else. It's the same thing with friggin' but Dude, you told me we were going to be talking about lead singer changes, okay? I could have brought Metallica. Metallica's right. whole change sound changed as soon as David Mustaine left. Yep. Okay? We could talk about like you know what the hardest thing when I was researching this? I thought this topic was going to have a lot more examples than it does. There's not that many lead singers that have left and things well, have changed. Well, that are mainstream that people would know, sure. know about. So, like... like I'm sure Joe Bob's country <laughs> band like, has changed bands. Like, lead singers. Like, a lot of times. No one knows about it. Like, But, like, I was trying to find, like, a hip-hop example of this. Which there really isn't any. Like, I was thinking, when does... And if, if listeners, if you got an example, we'd love to know. And someone in hip-hop leaves. So, like, I was thinking about, like, the closest I came was N.W.A. when Ice Cube left. N.W.A. still put out a couple albums without him. And, um... Well, I guess the new edition. <laughs> but they... That's they not had, hip-hop. No, I know. But they had Bobby Brown, and then they went to, uh... Um, Kenny Gill? Yeah, Kenny Gill. Um, sure. But that's not... I'm just saying that... Yeah. That the... 
that that wasn't that I, as I was looking for more contemporary artists that have done this. The, I mean, I, I I came across like Molly Crew tried it. Black Sabbath did it. They had Dio in as a lead singer for a little bit. Allison Chains has been trying to do it with with their lead singer after Lane Staley died. You have Sublime. It's now Sublime with Rome. Um, Iron Maiden did it with Bruce Dickinson. Um, but I know like. Not that I listen to them, so I wouldn't even know. But like all the young dudes, Bruce Dickinson. Oh, okay, all the young dudes. Well, that was a solo. It's a okay, it's a Bowie song. Yeah, I know. But okay, he sung that on it. Not the Dropkick Murphys. You know who they are. Yeah. Okay, so their lead singer left to become a fireman right before two thousand one. I thought that was an interesting story. Okay. The only can and, and and another one. I'm a huge. I'm a big NXS fan. I think they're like the most underrated band. I like love, I love old NXS before Kick. Um, they had the reality show, if you don't remember that, where they tried to find yeah, a new lead right. singer. That was uh, I like that show. Yeah, it Even was pretty good. It was pretty, but and it's kind of the same thing with Queen and Adam Lambert. Right, and he only and he, I mean the guy on the NXS show only lasted a year. They're like, wow, he can sing a song on American Idol. We should put him in our band. Well, that's the difference between them and Journey. You know, Queen's like, listen, we're not going to just be right. a karaoke band. Or Journey's like, let's be this. Right. Um, the only example I could think of that is contemporary was when um, Zach De La Rocha left Rage Against the Machine. And this one, this one hurt for me because I was a huge Rage Against the Machine fan. I was actually in like a Rage Against the Machine like cover band. <laughs> I was, um, and they followed that up with Audio Slave, where they replaced him. You know, the whole band stayed in Audio Slave, except and then uh, let me just cue that up. Obviously, you know the difference between like. A, a, Hip hop metal band versus this, which is uh, you know more of a rock thing. But um, you gotta put the headphones out. We gotta pull it. I know I gotta pull them out. <laughs> I didn't want to. I didn't want anyone to hear me queuing it up. Like make like I can do on the whole time. Listen, it's been somewhat seamless for you. <laughs> So obviously those are two very, very different sounds. And, uh, you know, uh, Rage Against Machines got back together a little bit here and there. Kind of was hoping they'd get together for this last political season to make some noise. But instead they have their own version of a karaoke band, which is with uh, Chuck D and uh, Be Real from Cypress Hill doing their songs. And it really just doesn't work. Doesn't work. So um, I guess... You know, if you're looking back, just to sum it all up, is there any any band that that stands out to you as being able to pull it off? See, I think Van Halen kind of pulled it off. You don't think so? Um, I mean, as I said before, I think Fleetwood Mac did it the best. Okay. In terms of, but uh, yeah, I mean Van Halen. Even though I wasn't a big Van Hagar fan, I know for sure that they uh, changed. They were still popular and were top top of the charts, like with their other records. 
I like I like your top of the charts. You like top you like you like keeping track of top of the charts. Yeah, I'm like on the billboard. All right. Well, something that did not find its way to the top of the charts is our last topic, which Another was Netflix. Uh, Again, assignment number two for Ruin Scott's Wednesday night um, was a. We're going to do a short review of the movie Kindergarten Cop Two. For those of you, you probably don't even know that that existed, and I didn't either <laughs> until I was scrolling through Netflix, and all of a sudden it came up, and I'm like, "What the hell is this?" So, uh, it's directed by this guy Don Michael Paul, right? So he's done. Tremors 5 and 6, a Sniper sequel, a Jarhead 2. He does a lot of these direct, <laughs> direct to DVD sequels that are made for like no money and, uh, um, yeah, that are just terrible. I clapped because you just brought up my big talking point. I thought I was going to get to talk about Don Michael Paul. <laughs> What do you have to say about Don Michael? I mean, he kind of covered it. Um, the, one of the things I thought that was really interesting about this, uh, not only is Don Michael Paul the director, but there was like five or six writers involved in, in making this movie. Oh, there was five writers, <laughs> which you know is a very good sign when you're going into a movie that it's going to be good or not. And my, my, la- and my next question was, uh, you know, it, this movie stars Dolph Lundgren in the place of the Arnold Schwarzenegger role. He was also an executive producer on this. Well, it's... Probably because he owns the. I would think that he owns the property. I was going to ask, what do you think? I don't know. How much say do you think? How much say do you think he had in plot and well, dialogue? I, I think and, that Dolph Lundgren was like, "All right, Schwarzenegger, I'm going to get this property if it's out there, and then do it." And then he just has other people write it. He got the writer of, uh, <laughs> yeah, like Har- Har- Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man to like write the script. Um. But uh, did you know that this movie won two awards before we start talking about it? Was it the kid, the Jerry's or whatever they're called? The Joey Awards. The Joey Awards. Two I did. Joey Awards. Which kids won the Joey Awards? All right. So the Joey Awards are like basically the Oscars for Canadian young performers. Oh, it's Canadian young performers. Okay. It won Best Ensemble for a straight to DVD movie. Uh, and then the girl who played Sophie in the movie, the little girl, she won Best Principal or supporting actor, five to eight years old. I don't even know which one, Sophie. There isn't very many memorable kid scenes. Before we go through, what we're going to do is we're just going to run through the movie and we can do our talking points. Okay. Uh, But before we start, do you think this movie, Dolph Lundgren had the most lines he's ever had in a movie? (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. When I was watching the movie, I'm just like... Hmm. Like, I feel like this is the most dialogue he's ever had in his entire life. Yeah, you're right. Probably more than he has in his regular life. (laughs) That's a good point. He's a womanizer in the movie. Yeah. It's tough for him because he's he's trying to deal with the digital age. Yeah. Um, All right. So, basically, this movie starts off Dolph Lundgren. His name is Reed. He's an FBI agent. Bill Bellamy is his partner. Dolph Lundgren cannot walk. <laughs> what do you mean he can't walk? Didn't you see him walking around this movie? It's so notice. awkward looking. <laughs> I didn't know that. I feel like he's broken his leg like 700 times. 
What did, what did you think of Bill Bellamy? Bill Bellamy was so bad. We'll get to Bill Bellamy. <laughs> so okay. it starts off wondering. He lives in an airstream on the water. And, uh, great, great do, locations. He's, do, he's doing some Tai Chi. But great job by the locations person. That's a good setup. But let me just say, that is a complete ripoff of Lethal Weapon. I know. I was going to say that's right. Okay. Yeah, it is. So I did some research. A C, an FBI agent living in Seattle makes one hundred twenty-seven <laughs> to one hundred forty thousand dollars a year, and Dolph Lundgren is living in an airstream, cooking steaks on an outdoor grill. I don't know. I thought that was weird. So wait, you think that he should have a little bit better situation? Yeah, he should have an he apartment. Li- he lives on the water. No. Excuse me. Um, so basically the movie starts off and, uh, Dolph Lundgren is... That's my Siri. Siri has my voice. Apparently we said something she responded. All right. Something about Dolph Lundgren? Yeah. So basically it starts off, Dolph Lundgren is, uh, tricked this girl into believing that he's in love with her, but he's really setting her up to get to this racketeer, this guy who's an Armenian gangster. And... Well, let me say... Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, he's a great kisser. I don't know if you know this kissing is so awkward. It's so awkward. It's yeah. like it's like he's never he kissed just like before. stands there and he and the girl has to lean into him and he just like come to me. It, there's no real lip movement. It's just kind of really stiff. I don't know yeah. if that's an acting technique or in his personal life, but I thought that was kind of odd. All right, so the Armenian gangster like kicks open the door and is like about to kill Dolph Lundgren and, and it's a raid. Um, so they bust this guy and they basically like use the girl, they put the girl on witness protection and it, it, it says one year later, it's like one year later, the girl's in witness protection. The guy is out on bail and tells his lawyers, he's having lunch with his lawyers and tells the lawyers that he's going to kill the, he's they're like, shouldn't we, uh, like get you ready for trial? It's like, there's not going to be a trial. <laughs> He's like, yeah, but the witness is going to testify. She's not going to testify. <laughs> He's like, and then the lawyer's like, we didn't hear that. <laughs> so also, can we just talk about the guy's accent? It was pretty bad. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was. It's it's an all time, especially like later in the movie when he like pretends to be the FBI agent, right? To the sister. Yep. Yeah. Mother, yeah. Um. All right, so basically the story revolves around the Armenian gangster is trying to get this list that contains all the witness people on witness protection and where they're located. And it's all on this flash drive. And this guy dies in a car accident, which we never see. We don't even understand why he's died in a car accident. Uh, who's the teacher at this school. Yeah, they never really get into yeah. that. But his brother, I guess his dying words was, his brother was in the car during the accident, and he was like holding him or something as he was dying. They don't show any of this, but we're supposed to figure this out. And he says, the kids know. <laughs> so, um, so just while, while they're interrogating this guy and he's getting this information, the FBI headquarters gets raided by three thugs. 
Yeah, they just go right in, in what looks like a, a high school, a high school it locker really hallway, and it just so happens to be that they're coming in on the floor that Dolph Lundgren and and Bill Bellamy are walking down, where everybody in the FBI headquarters is one floor above them, or or, or something of that nature. But not only that, like you can't just raid an FBI with a bunch of machine guns with three people. <laughs> Kind of hard to yeah. do. I'm sure there's some contingency plans for raiding an FBI. There's probably a, a security guy you got to get through. <laughs> um, okay, so then probably we... a couple cameras around the outside of that premises. Just guessing. Yeah. So then we meet the chief. What do you think of the chief? Chief was the chief. He did, did the not, stereotypical. He did not take any ball. <laughs> the stereotypical African American like angry chief that doesn't want to take shit from. Bill Bellamy and Dolph Lundgren. And why was he chewing gum? It annoyed me so much. Like he was yelling at Dolph Lundgren. He had this big blue piece of gum in his mouth. Um, so now that they know that... That's fine. Uh, now that we know that the kids, that it's something at the school, they bring in all the kids to get an interrogation. It's right. Remember the whole yeah, interrogation? Yeah, it was like a... Yeah. I'm pretty sure you can't interrogate five-year-old, six-year-old kids without their parents. <laughs> so Bill Bellamy is it's like a nice, wealthy suburb of, of Washington. Most of those families probably have lawyers. You know, yeah. yeah. Cue the comedy in the movie. The kid talk. Oh yeah, it's, it's like a nice, um, uh, what do you call it? Like a <laughs> montage. Yeah. Montage. Of kid phrases. saying funny things. And so we, each get to, we get to know each one of these kids with their funny slogan. And then whoever came up with the racist idea to put the Asian kid speaking English with the subtitles, not a good, not a good. <laughs> yeah, well, I was wondering about, you know, I'm glad you brought that up. That wasn't in my notes. So it was only that kid. It was only that kid. And it wasn't ever explained that he needed subtitles. It was just. It was like, a, it's supposed to be a comedic bit. It was. I think so. I don't know. Yeah, I think it was. I, or, or was someone sitting in the editorial room like I can't? I think they, I think someone I saw it and said we can't understand this kid. And they just threw in the subtitles. That's kind of what I thought happened. I don't know. It's a little racist. <laughs> <laughs> so now they're not getting anywhere. The kids don't know anything, but they think that the kids do know something. But they. Uh, so what they do is they. Do like in Kindergarten Cop. They go undercover. But Bill Bellamy, the kids already know Bill Bellamy because he was the one that interrogated them. So Dolph Lundgren's like, I'll go undercover. Yeah. And so they laugh. That was- like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> it's like this fake laugh of them like laughing because he's like going to go over there. Well, because he's a womanizing, yeah. you know. And at this point, we so haven't figured. He's a womanizer, but he doesn't know how to. He needs a. Airpiece, though. To talk to women. But at this point, we don't also... We're also a little confused at what accent Dolph Lundgren is going to use for this movie. This is about 20 minutes into it, and he's used about four different versions of an American accent. And I was trying to be like... I I was just struggling to find out if he was supposed to talk this way, or if he was just really working overtime to to speak with an American accent. Uh, What do you think? I think he he probably started the day every day with the American accent. And then as what we talked about before, we had more lines than ever before. <laughs> he just gets tired and it goes into his native accent. Okay. Yeah, it was uh, it was fascinating. <laughs> so then we go into the school. Sure. And uh, Dolph Lundgren's telling the principal that he's 
she, she's like, he's like, I'm available. So the teacher doesn't need any uh, headhunters to get a new teacher. He just walks into the school and gets an interview. <laughs> and, uh, of course, we bump into the hot teacher. Yeah. She's got glasses and a ponytail. Yeah. There's no way she's hot. Um, <laughs> and in what could be the turning, like, the the, the very biggest secret and, and shock of, of the entire movie, the chemistry between Dolph Lundgren and the kids is not good. No. No, and I just mean, like, yeah. on an acting level as well. Yeah. His chemistry with the kids, let's just say it's not, they're not working on the same level. Okay, so this this list... Is on a flash drive. Right. And the kids know where the flash drive is. And uh, so he has to figure out while teaching the kids if they've. So he looks around the whole school at every flash drive. He goes through people's like drawers and shit. Yeah. And yeah. Flash lots of capers, lots of miss, uh, bait and switches to get into people's. Really bad cutaway to yeah. kicking doors. There's, oh, it's really bad. Um, How quickly did you realize where the flash drive was? Oh, I knew where the flash drive was, but we'll talk about the reveal. Made no sense. I didn't understand any of it. Okay, because I knew where the flash drive was within like the first, the first time sitting and talking to the kids. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm so, not really saying I'm proud of that. I just knew, you know. So we go through the first two days of school, and he's got a, you know, he's having the same hard time as Arnold had, and it's kind of like the same storyline where the teacher helps him. He goes over to the teacher, and the other teacher, like, teaches him how to, like, get a control of the kids. Right. And, uh, he brings a peanut butter and jelly sandwich as his lunch. Uh, yep. Do you think Dolph Lundgren is making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for lunch? Well, you didn't think he was living in an airstream down by the... the I don't know. Had our, they, the joke was that there was a peanut. You weren't allowed to have peanuts, because a lot of the kids have peanut allergies. And he didn't know that, and he brought a peanut butter and jelly sandwich to work. And everyone started freaking out. It was a little dramatic. It was very dramatic. Everyone was screaming and running around, pouring, uh... Oh, that's another thing, when he gave them the cookies. Well, that's when they play I Want Candy, and they give them cookies. And then they're, pour, they're pouring paint on each other. Yes. That was a series of four different montages. There was the peanut sauce, the I Want Candy, and... Oh, I'm sorry, in three. And then there was the ABC montage. The, yeah, the Jackson 5. Yeah, so these were back to back to back scenes. We gotta we gotta hurry up our way through, um, knowing that Dolph Lundgren's connecting with these kids. So we're gonna throw you three montages within the first day. But the peanut allergy, it's no one ate the <laughs> and peanut. They, and then they it was just there in the in the microwave. Oh, that's right. That, yeah, yeah. It's all hilarity, people. It's all hilarity. And it's all meant to pick at how we as a society are now like a little too liberal, like yeah. uh, like someone's bringing tofu to. Uh, School for lunches. Um, and then that, then we have to bring Bill Bellamy back in. He's got to help him. So he's got, he gives him an earpiece and he's going to like be in a van and it's like the MTV show where they like tell them how to like talk to girls. He teaches them <laughs> how to like talk to the kids. Do you think that Bill Bellamy was good? Do you think he's a good wingman? No, he definitely was not. Okay. Um, like, I thought he was a good wingman. Why didn't they, they should have set Bill Bellamy up as like a father. Or like a family man, so like he could help him. As opposed to not setting him up at all? They didn't set him up <laughs> at all, yeah. Um, so then the bad guy finally finds out where... Well, wait, you're missing another big character okay. uh, when he becomes friends with the janitor. Oh, 
No, the is it the janitor or was he like the IT guy? Oh, I thought he was the janitor. Okay. Yeah, the IT They're guy really... is in love with the girl that he's now dating. And he pulled your trick. He pulled the Jason trick. Where he tries to get him. Where he says he's got dibs. Yeah, when well, we were in college together, whenever there was a girl that Jason was interested, he'd call dibs. I don't know if it was like every time. Well, it was enough. It was enough to be a, to be a thing that you did. <laughs> um, the guy called, you know, the guy who was like the girl. He's He was like the only guy in the school, supposedly, since the other teacher. And he thought that since the other teacher was gone, like he had a shot with this hot teacher. And then Dolph Lundgren comes in. And messes them all up, and he tries to sabotage them with a uh, taser. Right. That's another thing. Yeah. Um, all right, so then we get the repeat storyline from the first movie about one of the fathers being drunk and, like, manhandling his kid. That's right. And uh, Dolph Lundgren has to, like, step up to the guy and be like, Hey, man, is he hurting you? You shouldn't hurt your kid. And, like, talks about him, like, because the guy, I guess, been laid off and, like, he got a drinking problem. It's like, dude, don't worry. You'll come out of this okay. My dad did the same thing. And one day he woke up and he was better. And, like, gave this whole heart to heart. And the girl really liked that speech. <laughs> yeah. What did you think of the girl? I mean, she was a tra- How bad was the lighting in this movie, by the way? <laughs> it was just all overblown. And, like, yeah. she, uh, the girl was, uh... I thought she was good. And she yeah, was fine. she was good. I feel really... I, I thought about her throughout the whole movie. I kind of felt bad for her. I was thinking, she probably got this, and not thought this was going to be her big break, but she probably got this and thought... I am, I am the beater. I don't think she's done anything since. No, she hasn't. She's the... She's not... And, and I was surprised, because, like you said, she's attractive. She's pretty good. And she probably got this. It was like, God, this is not good. But, you know, it's a means to an end. You know, I'm sure. And then we never hear from her again. Um, her date with, with Dolph. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about the date. So he goes out with her. Starts off at the Airstream. You don't start off at the Airstream. You don't want to know. The, let the girl know where you live. Well, they're Netflix and chill. That's what they're doing. Yeah, Netflix. No, but then at they the, end up going At the Airstream. Out. Yeah, they start, he was, they he should, should be, you should start at the uh, Country Western Bar. Before going, bringing her back to the uh, airstream. Listen, if you could get her to the airstream before you could, before you had to go take her to the country western bar, you'd just go back to the airstream. But he had a conscience about it, and he couldn't just put the move. Do you think Dolph Lundgren is smooth in real life? Uh, supposedly, yes. I don't know. You think he's like he's supposed to be a ladies' man in real life? I don't know if he's like. Oh, he, yeah, I guess he. Supposedly, I've heard he's like always talking to girls. Like, Okay. I was trying to figure it out while I was watching it. It's like, is he just really bad at acting smooth in a movie, or is he just really not smooth? You mean the line, you think I'm in good shape, huh? (laughs) (laughs) The guy's like ripped. (laughs) It's almost like, like, that line really doesn't work. You're like just diesel, all right? You know, I was thinking about that when they're at the Airstream on the date, that it would have been really awesome if like the date turned into like the, uh, the scene from Roadhouse. Where he starts making out with her outside, like on the water, you know, and when David Leslie's on the other side, and but and they start playing that music, if it just totally bit that, that was just my thought. What's funny is another thing is like when he's like having a conversation with her, and then he goes, "Hey, did uh, the other teacher talk to you about flash drives?" <laughs> like he's really smooth, like trying to get information. Why doesn't he just 
say, uh, like, ask her that he needs a flash drive. And does she have one? I don't know. The whole thing's just weird. They say flash drive a lot. They do say flash drive a lot in this movie. <laughs> um, so at the uh, country western bar, our Armenian gangster comes up to him, and now his cover's blown. That's right. And uh, Bill Bellamy is now tailing the bad guy to make sure he doesn't go near um, Dolph Lundgren. But Bill Bellamy is pretending to be like a uh, tree trimmer. But he's wearing his suit <laughs> underneath the tree trimming outfit. <laughs> I don't think this guy knows how to be undercover. <laughs> I don't know. I think like anyone that like was like went up to him and go, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm a tree trimmer. He's like, yeah, but you're wearing a tie. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, oh, so we get a lot of this Trojan horse stuff now. Right. So they're, they're, this, they're, they're... Well, we've lost any story with the kids right. for a good part of the movie. Like, yeah. The kids are just completely out of the movie. Yeah. And then they come back in and there's this whole scene where the kids are depressed because they've lost Capture the Flag like every single time. Right. So Dolph Lundgren, who's a history buff, I guess, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> talks a little about the Trojan horse where, you know, they got... They trick. They trick them into... Um, Bring in the, uh, whatever, the Trojan horse into the castle, and then they raid everybody. Uh, which comes back at the end of the movie. Right. Which we'll talk about. Well, I think we're almost there. Yeah, we're almost there. So, um, Because he's got this plan, and my favorite quote of the movie was, Bellamy comes in and says, uh, after Dolph Lundgren has his plan, says, you're a genius, bro. Yeah. Thought that was the quote of the movie. <laughs> and then the bad accent comes in with a slow clap. Just yeah. as he says it. And then... And then Bill Bellamy disappears. We have a random scene of the auction. The uh, Bachelor auction. Oh, that's right. Which was the exact copy of the Groundhog's Day movie. Where their Dolph Lundgren goes up and she's like... They're voting on him. And then all of a sudden the teacher's like, $2,000! Yeah. And she like raises her hand. She's got a billfold of like... $2,000? Spotlight's on her and she just walks through with it. She's got like, who has like that much money in cash? <laughs> <laughs> just walking around. Um, so then um, the climactic scene, we get to the sculpture garden. Well, okay, so do you want to say how we figured out where the flash drive yeah, was? Yeah, okay. Um, so they figured out where this flash drive was by using some... Da Vinci Code, um, like thing where he, like, figured out the letters and it spelled something. No explanation of how they figured out that it was in this time capsule. Right, but it was in with the with the guinea pig. No, it wasn't in with the guinea pig. I thought it was in with the guinea pig. No, it was in the time capsule that they were burying at the sculpture garden. Right, but didn't that have, they, they? There's something they found through. Oh, I thought they found that out through the guinea pig. Forget. I don't know. There was some Da Vinci Code thing where he was like thinking in his mind and he's spelling out letters. Didn't understand. That's anything. when he says you're a genius. He bro. said time time capsule. Um, so now the bad guys show up right when he says time capsule. The bad guy walks in with a slow clap. And some guns, and 
Now the teacher finds out that he's an FBI agent. And all this stuff is coming to a head. She's pissed. They take they take <laughs> Dolph Lundgren and Bill Bellamy and the girl and they go to the sculpture garden to get this time capsule. So they get to the time capsule and they dump out the time capsule. Did you notice the t- contents of the time capsule? No. I don't think they understand what a time capsule is. <laughs> Inside the time capsule, because they are like, the bad guys are like, dump out the time capsule. It was a hammer, the flash drive, and a bottle opener. <laughs> really? That was the only thing in the time capsule. That's supposed to, to give you an idea of what it I was like. I had to like, like rewind it like a couple of times to just make sure that there was nothing else in the uh, So in, the in 2016... Like, if you were to find this time capsule 100 years from now, you'd say, in 2016, they used a hammer, a bottle opener, and a flash drive. Yeah. And that's supposed to give you an idea of what was like going what on. what happened in 2016. Sounds like the kids didn't show up for that assignment. No. I don't think the teacher, the uh, IT guy, like, really figured out what a time capsule was. Should have went on the internet. Um, so then, the final... So they, they're going to kill Dolph Lundgren. They've got the time. They got the, the flash drive. They're going to kill Dolph Lundgren. And gun, Dolph, they got a gun pointed right at him. Do you yeah, have any last words? That Dolph whole Lundgren scene. Dolph wants to eat a, eat a Twix. And uh, the biting of the Twix is a sign for these kids to attack the bad guys with a gun. Let me just say. <laughs> I, this is I, 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 yeah, go ahead. This is the worst like plan ever you're putting all these kids in harm's way yeah like they could die right there's guns involved there's a man with a gun now there's kindergarten kid five-year-olds with a bunch of plastic swords and stuff start hitting them come after them (laughs) oh and then they basically like Dolph Lundgren like punches the guy as the guy's fighting off these kids right he's having trouble with the kids I mean, all I have to do is pop a warning shot. I bet yeah. all those kids scatter. I mean, I don't want to <laughs> root for the bad guys, but it's a pretty obvious solution. And then the final fight was basically out of lethal weapon in the water. Um, and at the very end, they come out of the sculpture garden, and for some somehow all the parents are there. I don't know who alerted the parents that there was something going on. I think Bill Bellamy did because when they decided, when they came in the classroom and they took Dolph Lundgren and the other teacher to the uh, garden, um, for some reason they didn't take Bill Bellamy. Did you? Do you yeah, remember? he like punched. The, he helped the principal like punch out a guy. Okay. Okay. So, or like the principal like beat the guy up while he was going to kill Bill Bellamy. Okay. Or something. Well, anyway, so they let the parents know. Parents are all there. And they're all, like, happy. Like, they're not even, like, scared that their kids were just involved in some sort of FBI raid with guns and stuff. And, uh, they all hug their kids. And that's the end of the movie. Right. And another thing that I, I, just to sum it all up, uh, (laughs) you know, the whole movie did take place in Seattle. Yeah. And it didn't rain the entire movie. It was exactly nice weather at every time. And uh, it was shot in Vancouver. Right. <laughs> Which is basically Seattle. I think that the weather is kind of like the same. Uh, I was, my biggest disappointment with this movie, other than you assigning me to watch it, was um, that there isn't a callback to It's Not a Tumor. I think if you're watching Kindergarten, you got to. No, there wasn't any references. You got to have. Stealing that. plot points. Right. 
it's right. You got to take some of the jokes because let's face it, there wasn't really a lot of jokes in this movie. No, there was a lot of montage stuff that they just like film kids saying stupid stuff so that they can everyone can be like, oh, that's hilarious. Right, but there wasn't even like a real attempt at comedy throughout the entire movie. So, uh, well, glad you got to watch. Uh, well, obviously, I missed some key points because I thought some things happened that didn't happen, but. I can only be expected. My, my lesson learned. My attention span is only so so. so lesson only learned. So well. Go to Google, find out what a time capsule is. Yeah, it's true. Before you actually bury one. I doubt this podcast will be in anyone's time capsule, <laughs> but uh, we thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. We're going to come back next week next week with some more interesting topics, <laughs> and uh, if that's possible, yeah. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks.